I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Doctor in the House. Today we have a very special guest, Aaron Broadhead, a local pharmacist, and in fact our first hometown hero from Texas 26th Congressional District. As we all know, our country has been grappling with drug shortages. We've also got a fentanyl crisis, and unfortunately, it's not a distant problem. It's affecting communities right here in North Texas. And recently, there was a heartbreaking story out of Carrollton, where several high school students overdosed. Some of them died, leaving a devastating impact on our community. In response to these events, I decided to include a Narcan presentation in my annual emergency preparedness summit. So every April, I do a what I call a tornado summit. I try to educate people on some of the some of the severe weather we can have in North Texas because a lot of people are just moving to this area and they're not familiar with what the weather alerts that they might hear on their radio, what what they might mean or, or how they should take action when they when they hear a weather alert. But this year, different from years past, I decided to add a segment on the use of Narcan. Narcan, of course, is what's used as an opiate reversal for someone who is suffering from an opiate overdose or fentanyl poison, Narcan can in fact be life-saving. So Aaron came and showed us with a demonstration device how to administer Narcan to someone who is actually experiencing an op opiate overdose. And actually, Aaron, and thank you for, for joining us, but actually what they'd be experiencing is they would just stop breathing. Isn't that right? Yes, that's correct. And so you showed us how to administer the Narcan in someone who's in a in a crisis like that. So Aaron, your life-saving presentation was exceptional. I'm honored to have you on this Hometown Hero episode to give our listeners some background. You were born and raised in Denton and attended Southwestern Oklahoma State University where you earned your Doctor of Pharmacy degree and specialized in pharmacy leadership, innovation, and quality outcomes. And currently you are serving at serving North Texans at uh, Community Pharmacy, where your dad works, isn't that yes. right? So yeah. what, a, what, a, what a lovely arrangement. Uh, I actually went into practice with my father when I first came back to Louisville, so I know how, how your father must be extremely proud to have you as part of the business, but not discounting his enormous influence on your life, what made you want to become a pharmacist? Yes, I can't go without saying I wasn't was influenced to <laughs> go into the profession, but um, besides that fact, uh, providing meaningful care to our community was something that I could see myself doing as a pharmacist and um, being the most accessible, readily accessible healthcare provider, being on the front line and uh, seeing our community and our patients come in our doors every day. That was something that also influenced me to become a pharmacist. Well, that was really brought home during the uh, coronavirus pandemic, um, where you realize that most people live within 10 minutes of a pharmacy. Uh, they may be miles and miles away from an academic medical center, but their community pharmacist is literally right around the corner. Right. And so um, some of the listeners may not have heard about the Emergency Preparedness Summit, can you walk us through what you told us that day about uh, what Narcan is and why it's important for people to be aware of what Narcan is? 
Yes, you did a wonderful introduction about um, Narcan itself, but I'll go into a little bit more detail. Sure. Uh, so Narcan is provided as a nasal spray um, and it's used as an antagonist for uh, the treatment of an opioid poisoning or an opioid overdose. So think of it as like an EpiPen for somebody who is suffering through an allergic reaction. It's the same thing, but for an opioid overdose. So common opioid medications that you hear of are things like morphine, codeine, oxycodone, hydrocodone, um, and even fentanyl, and illicitly made fentanyl. Yes. So these are all things that Narcan can work on. Um, because opioids affect uh, the, the part of the brain that controls your breathing, this is, like you were saying, this is how it can stop your breathing and ultimately lead to death if those levels become too high in your body. Uh, so some signs of overdose would be, like you said, stopped breathing or even slowed breathing um, or not responding to touch or sound. These are all signs that a patient so might you would shake someone and say, hey, are you okay? And they wouldn't respond. Exactly. Um, so typical things that you would think would wake up a person, they're just not responding in that, that fashion. So you can't just brew them a strong cup of, cup of coffee and say, hey, sleep it off? Yeah. <laughs> no, in fact, if they sleep it off, they may not wake up at all. And that's exactly. the tragedy in this situation. Yes. And you, you referenced a, a minute ago about illicit fentanyl. And this is so important for people to understand. Uh, you might say, well, you know, I'm not going to go out and buy a fentanyl tablet and take it. But what people miss or, or may, may not be aware of is that fentanyl can be used like a filler in other people think they're buying a Xanax off the street and in fact what they're buying is a fentanyl tablet or they can think they're buying a Percodan or Percocet and they're buying a fentanyl tablet so the biologic activity of course when they take that tablet is not going to be what a Percodan or Percocet would do it will be what fentanyl can do and respiratory depression with fentanyl is unfortunately not really a side effect it's an expected effect in a proper dosage of fentanyl it's going to stop someone from breathing right exactly yes and um, like you were saying you think you're buying a, a Xanax you think you're uh, even taking an ibuprofen that you say a, a teenager might not know what that looks like, what should be trusted, what shouldn't be trusted, but it's laced with something else. And so a lot of these are deemed accidental. Nobody's necessarily seeking these out. And sure, some people are and might take too much one day, but um, a lot of times it's accidental. And this is, you know, in, in 2015, uh, in our committee, we worked on a bill called the Support Act. Took several years, finally got signed into law by President Trump in 2018. And the problem dealing with back in 2015, 2016 was someone who might have gotten a lot of pain medicine as a result of a dental procedure, or a lot of pain medicine as a result of an orthopedic procedure, and then just had pills lying around and at some point, someone took a, an inappropriate dosing and, uh, and, and then succumbed to the respiratory depression that can happen with that medicine. 
But the disease is different today, and fentanyl is the the policies we were concerned about in 2015, 2016. How do you educate prescribers, doctors, dentists, legitimate prescribers? How do you educate them as to the potential lethal effects of of an overdose? They may not be aware that they're planting the seeds of someone's demise by sending them home with 30 Percodan after a relatively minor dental procedure. But again, the disease has changed now. What's coming across the border, what's coming in from China, is a much more dangerous compound. And this is more than about someone who got a too big a prescription for their wisdom tooth extraction. This is about something that someone has planted and created a problem that, uh, quite honestly, didn't exist five or six years ago because fentanyl is so, so deadly, so toxic. Right. And there's almost no amount of education you can do to providers. Say, look, be careful about the number of Percodan you give someone after a, after a, 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 a knee arthroscopy or a wisdom tooth, tooth extraction. This is medicine that's coming, not medicine, this is a toxin that is coming into our system by design by someone. It's not, you know, the, the person who, who unfortunately ends up as the end user may not have been seeking that particular drug, but they're the ones who, who end up harmed by it. Yeah, they have to suffer the consequences that they had no idea. So the good news is fentanyl is going to be available over the counter. Now this summer, is that right? Uh, Narcan, yes, Narcan. Nar- is Nar- oh, fentanyl. I'm sorry. <laughs> Narcan is, a, yeah, fentanyl. Unfortunately, is way too available. Narcan is available over the counter. Yes, it's going to be available over the counter. I know there's multiple makers that are coming out with their OTC version. Um, right. That's an over-the-counter version. Yes. You don't have to go to a doctor and get a script. Uh, the pharmacist will just sell it to you when you go in and say, "I need that stuff for reversal of narc of, uh, of fentanyl." Yes. Uh, right now it is uh, only available as a prescription, but it is rather easy to get a prescription from either your provider or even a pharmacist who does have uh, a collaborative practice agreement, say with a local physician, okay. something like that. Um, so it's readily obtainable now. It is, it is. And most insurers do cover it. So you can see copays of $20 or even down to, to a $0 copay. Well, that's interesting. And, you know, and again, I, I, I can't stress how much this disease has changed even in a relatively short period of time. And I think we talked about a little bit at the summit, but now adding into this uh, the effect of social media, where someone can go on Snapchat or TikTok and obtain a pain pill, what they think is a pain pill, which in fact is a medicine that's been laced with fentanyl. And that's why it's so important for friends and neighbors, moms and dads, to be aware of what is available in over-the-counter or readily available Narcan to reverse the effects of an opiate poisoning. Right. It's um, kind of like a house fire. Nobody intends on a a fire happening in their own home. Nobody tries to get anything set up like that. But when a fire breaks out, it's nice to have that fire extinguisher to help the immediate problem. And so that's what Narcan can do is you've got it in your home and somebody is suffering an opioid poisoning or an overdose, it's it's nice to have. Not just nice to have, it's, it's life-saving. It's life-saving, yes. So thank you for coming in and, and talking to us about this. Uh, let me just bring up something else that uh, 
it's facing us as policymakers, and of course, you as a uh, as as the front-facing person who, where a patient may come in and say, "Here's a prescription that I've been taking for a while. I need it filled," and you have to tell them that medicine is not available. So, can you talk to us a little bit about the drug shortage problem? Yes. So, unfortunately, we've been dealing with this for several years now. It's it's nothing new, but for some of our patients, it is new. This is a medicine that they've been taking for 5, 10, 15 years that they've been stable on and it keeps their disease state under control and keeps them healthy. And all of a sudden, it's nowhere to be found. Um, so we've been seeing this for patients who, like I said, are, are stable on their, their current therapy or for patients who have a new diagnosis. Okay. So what are some of the medicines right now that would be in, in low supply in this area? Yeah, so we've seen medicines that control diabetes care. We've seen antibiotics that can help heal an infection. We've seen things like Adderall. Adderall's been in very short supply. And maybe not all of these medicines can save your life, but these medicines are important to keep people healthy and manage their day-to-day lives. Sure. So um, a medicine like Adderall, um, been around for a long time. The, the molecular formula is, is not that complicated. Uh, so it's uh, a little bit baffling that a pharmaceutical company would not be able to keep up with the demand and, and, and provide the medication that someone would need to treat their attention deficit disorder or narcolepsy. And the problem in well, the problem is when a drug goes into to short supply, then <clears throat> someone may take the path of least resistance and say, well, I just go on the internet and buy some. Yeah. And then we get into the problem with fentanyl, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we're back to the, the first issue that we're talking about, exactly. Well, I know that there are there are things that we're going to be working on at uh, at, in, at the committee level to try to uh, to try to mitigate the effects of drug shortages. Do you have any advice for patients or, or for doctors, for that matter, if they encounter difficulties in obtaining necessary medicines during a shortage? Yeah, so the first thing I want to bring up is that each patient is unique and different. So thank goodness for our pharmaceutical companies because not one size doesn't fit all. So we have yes. many different alternatives and therapies that work for different individuals. That being said, if um, one medicine isn't available, there's likely some other options that would work. Um, maybe not as well, um, but potentially, potentially just as well. So oftentimes I will ask the patient if they've tried other alternative therapies um, and ask them to, to have a conversation with their provider to see sure. if they might be a good candidate for one of these alternative therapies. Another option is also compounding. Um, well, I was going to ask you about yeah, compounding, so I'm yeah. glad you went there. <laughs> um, oftentimes when a, a drug is in short supply or that active ingredient, um, anything along that supply chain is in short supply, compounding pharmacies are often, uh, they have the ability to make that medicine from scratch um, and provide something that's either equivalent or close to um, what they were trying to get originally. 
So um, you're too young to remember, but maybe 10, 12 years ago, we had a bad outbreak of one of the, uh, um, I guess on this case, it was the the swine flu, H1N1, and it was bad here. Yeah. We, we lost some kids in the city of Fort Worth. Um, one of the problems was that there was not a pediatric form of Tamiflu. Tamiflu seemed to be effective against as, a, as an antiviral when someone was ill with H1N1, but if the kid couldn't take a pill, you're kind of in a tough spot. Right. But a compounding pharmacist can bail you out of that by what grinding up the pill and putting it in a in a tonic that uh, a child could tolerate and yeah. and make it then available to the kid in a different form that is not available commercially. Exactly. So we can get down into the um, population that is a little bit smaller percentage wise that has a need that isn't being fulfilled. Compounding pharmacists are are there to fulfill that need. Well, I. Can't thank you enough for for being part of this podcast today. Uh, thank you for the work that you do every day. Uh, you well and tell your dad thanks too. Yeah. Uh, but you've really given us some valuable insights, and you've shared a bit about some of the challenges that Americans are currently facing. Your commitment to serving our community makes you a genuine hometown hero, and I want to thank you for your participation and leave you the last word if there's anything you'd like to leave us with. Yeah, I thank you, first of all, for this opportunity to, to be on the podcast with you. And um, I, I really appreciate all the work that you're doing as well, just to highlight some of these, these things that we're struggling with, that our community is struggling with, and um, looking to help resolve some of those things as well. So I appreciate it. Well, thanks very much for being on the podcast. As we cue the dramatic music, let me remind everyone to follow us and be sure to download this podcast from wherever you get your podcasts and never miss an episode of Doctor in the House. Thank you, Erin. Thanks for being with us today. Yes, of course.